Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm so glad you're here. Um, hey, before we get started, I want to make a quick introduction uh, of somebody that most of you already know. Um, what you may not know is that in the last couple of weeks, um, by church vote and, and by the elders' uh, selection, um, Ty has become the associate pastor here. Woo-hoo! Um, God is calling us to beautiful uh, and bigger things. And as you know, my capacity isn't isn't what it it once was. So to have other people say, yes, use me, use me, and we will. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for Ty. Thank you that um, he has uh, written a blank check to you, Lord, because everything he has is from you. Thank you that he has called. Thank you that he is faithful. And Lord, thank you that he longs to serve. And uh, we look forward to what you have for us and uh, just pouring, pouring everything out uh, for your glory and for the blessing of not only your church, but those in our community and college who don't know that they should belong to you. Lord, uh, for, you, for everything, we thank you in Jesus' name. All right. So here's the plan. Um, aside from... Like I will go, uh, I, I'm up to going like three weeks in a row. And, and then most of the time you're going to hear from Ty. And uh, that's going to be a real treat. Uh, also, he's going to be doing some of the worship uh, with Eric and, and helping there. He'll be targeting uh, working with the young men in the youth and also helping us put together these young family nights, which we're going to do uh, every month. And you have that to look forward to. We'll end some special events that we have coming up for outreach and we're going to be look uh it's going to be crazy good a um, couple of announcements uh, next week bethany 101 after the nine o'clock service if you're interested in finding out more about what makes us tick um, this doesn't obligate you to become a member um, but it is a step that you need to take if you want to so that's right after the nine o'clock it's usually down in this um uh, classroom downstairs. If you want to join us, that's next week after this service. Uh, time for Children's Church. You thought you were trapped. You're not. Uh, hey, if you're a three-year-old, you get your own classroom, you are moving on up. Yeah, so make sure if you have a three-year-old, you're taking them to the three-year-old classroom. Uh, we're usually packed with kids uh, when the snow comes. Sometimes people don't, but uh, we're okay. We're good. Hey, some of you, I just want to put your minds at ease. I see you nervous. Some of you are twitching. Oh, the worksheet is like a legal size. We're going to miss the playoff game. No, you're not. No, you're not the first half anyway. So here you go. I just want more for you to, um, to take home, to remind you, because this is important. Uh, we are in the second and final week of a series we're calling Counterfeit Faith. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, because the Word of God does, and as we go through it, we want to talk about what God talks about. We want to deal with what He deals with in our hearts. And He is calling us as a church to take this to the streets in a way that we never have before. And for us to do what He's calling us to do, which which, by the way, if I shared it with you now, your heads would explode and you'd have this mix of fear and, and thrill. Um, but you'll get it as we get more um, um, clarification. But he's going to use this church to bless this city in, in unprecedented ways. 
Um, and so we have to make sure that we're all on the same page. So last week, if you missed the first week of Counterfeit Faith, it's on the web. Check it out. Here's what we said. We said, God's concern, my concern, is not that you would fail, but that you would succeed at the wrong things, right? That's what we talked about. And we talked about our son, Tommy, when he was seven years old, he was playing his first season in soccer and he had uh, an unprecedented breakaway goal going three quarters of the field in a way that made the stands chant his name. There was only one problem when he scored. He scored on the wrong goal. He was going to his own goal, right? He scored the for the wrong team. And, and we said that this can be true about your life, about my life. If we, if we have counterfeit faith rather than right faith, we can succeed at the wrong things rather than succeeding at the right things. And last week, Jesus did kind of a, a 30,000 foot flyover of counterfeit faith, which was easy for many of us to see with and agree with but not do anything about. But Jesus today is going to take that option away from us because he lands the plane, gets off, steps onto the tarmac, looks directly into our eyes, looks directly into our souls and reveals if the faith that you and I have is real or counterfeit or some blend of the two. And so we want to do that. We want to do that. But in our flesh, you and me, we tend to hate being confronted and convicted by God about anything. We will avoid that feeling at all costs. And we should love it. We should love it because this is the way to life. This is the way to growth. This is the way to freedom. This is the way to joy. And here's something that you and I have to, have to drill down and keep in mind. Because Jesus loves you, he will never diagnose a problem that he doesn't also immediately offer to heal. He does not do it to condemn. He does it to, to, as a good doctor, as a good father, as a good savior. He says, here, this is broken. Let me fix that. Not so that you can feel bad, but so you can be healed. And so that's the joy of, of this that most people will, will shy away from. We're in Luke chapter 13. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to open them there. If you don't, uh, check under one of the seats in front of you for one of the brown or burgundy hardbacks. Uh, don't, I didn't get the page count in there to tell you where to, where to turn, but you're in Luke chapter 13. If you can't find it, lean over to somebody next to you, test them. Um, if you don't own a Bible, that one's yours to keep. So here's the menu for what we're going to do this morning. We got, we got a lot to cover, so we're going to move fast. We're going to look at Jesus' words. We're going to listen to them. We're going to unpack them. Then we have a one-question quiz, right? We're going to deal with some common objections to, to what we're talking about. And then we're going to leave you with 10 soul-shaking things to let to let rest on you and let God use. And then we're going to come and we're going to pray as a group and God's going to change us. It's, it's really good. God, have your way in this place. Lord, let your spirit fall. Let your word um, return uh, the harvest of, of changed lives. Um, Lord, forgive me my sins. They are many. And use even one like me to bring you glory and people blessing. In Jesus' name. Okay, Luke chapter 13. That's where we are. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. Here we go. 
He, who we talking about? Yeah. Pulse. Pulse. Check. <laughs> who are we talking about? It's Jesus, right. We're always talking about Jesus. He went his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Now, Jesus is walking with people. He's talking with people. He is teaching. He is on his way to Jerusalem because he has an appointment there with death. Right? He is going intentionally there to be crucified uh, for your sins and for mine. That's why he's going. And on his way, right, he's mixing with people. He's teaching them. He's bringing them along. And now somebody, and we're not told who, is going to ask him a very gutsy question. Something that many of us are thinking, but we don't have the guts to ask. And so I would bet my last bottle of Diet Coke that this is a woman. Right? We're not told, but I would bet it's a woman. And here's why. Because only they have the guts to say what everybody's thinking and afraid to say. So here we go. Verse 23. And someone, like I said, said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Who's going home? Right? Who's going to heaven? Are they a lot? Are they few? Right? And, and, and he answered them. He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. Remember that. The narrow door. For what's that word? Many. 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 That's terrifying. I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. She, she asked what everybody's wondering. And, and here's what Jesus did not say. Who will go to heaven? Here's what Jesus doesn't say. All dogs go to heaven. Right? He didn't say that. He didn't say just about everyone except for unrepentant serial killers. Right? He didn't say all roads lead to God. Don't worry about it. He didn't say all good people go to heaven. He didn't say that. What does he say? He says many are going to miss it. Few, few will go through the narrow door. He explains. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you, he says you. Like, that's terrifying, right? He doesn't leave it general. He doesn't say they. He says, you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. And then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. This is particularly terrifying if you're paying any attention. Because these people, these people call him Lord, right? Hey, Lord, it's us. The party can start now. We're here. Open up. Right? They know that Jesus is Lord. They, they know that. But there's, there's some kind of disconnect. And, and it's terrifying too because he says you. He didn't say they. He says when you. And he does this intentionally so that you and I will ask the question, what if he's talking about me? Well, he reveals that because he doesn't want to be. Right? He wants to heal this. Right? So it goes on. Then you will begin to say, we ate and we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Come on, Lord. Come on. You know us, right? Look what we did, right? We showed up. We walked. We listened. Come on. We went to church. We put some in the, in the plate. We prayed sometimes. Come on. We didn't inhale. Come on. What does he say? He will say, I tell you. I do not know where you come from. And I try to read this with all the heartbreak that I believe God has when he will say these words. 
Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves cast out. Now, who's Jesus talking to? He's talking, he's walking with Jews, right? So this means something to them. The insiders, and they think they're part of the insiders, right? The chosen people. A lot, many of the people who thought they were insiders are going to be out, right? And he goes on. And people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some who are last will be for some who believe they were unlovable and on the outside will be inside. And some who were first, who walk with a swagger, who thought they were in will be out, will be last. And the same thing that is true when Jesus was talking to the Jews is true for many of us who consider ourselves believers, who consider ourselves Christians. We, we are steeped in the church. We are steeped in religion. He said, that's not it. You got to make sure, you got to make sure that you're headed for the narrow door because many, many are not going to be able to get in. Few. And I wish that were different. I wish that were different. He said, many will have counterfeit faith. Few will have real faith. And I I plead with God and I kneel and I I weep with the elders. I say, not my friends, not the people of this church, right? Many might be the world, but not here. we, we, We don't want anyone here to be deceived. We don't want anyone in this town. We don't want anybody at this universe. That's what we are about, that no one would be left out. Everybody would be brought in. Everybody would come home, not just when they die, but right now, right now. But to do that, we have to be, we have to be aggressive about going deep and making sure that there is no counterfeit in what we think and what we believe and how dedicated we are to him and our understanding of the gospel. We have to get real with our broken spiritual condition. And I am the first, the first to get in line and say broken, needing to be fixed sinful, needing to be forgiven. That's me. And if that's you, then go with me. Go with me. We're going to call people together. We're going to pray. We're going to get restored. Because I want everybody sure that they're in so that we can be sure when we go out and try to bring others in. We've got to do this first. He said, I want you to think about the verse before. When he said that there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, for my whole life, I always thought that that would be from the shut out side of the door, right? That, and, and certainly that, that will be true, that the people who can't get in um, will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But if you're quiet, if you listen closely, I believe that you'll hear something coming under from God's side of the door. I believe you'll hear him weeping too. Because this was not his plan. This was not his desire. This was not how he wanted it to end. How do I know this? Because scripture says he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent, to be saved, to have genuine, not counterfeit faith, to be restored, to come home. Everyone. That's his will. That's his desire. That needs to be our desire too. 
starting with ourselves. You know, for a long time, the church has gotten a bad reputation and we've earned it. I mean, the big C church. Because we like to hammer on other people who don't live the way that we think they should or that God said. Before we have gone to our knees and said, have mercy on me. Because I don't. And what that does is it softens us. So that we can go out in grace and say, hey, you just got a different stripe of the same color. Man, come with me. Come with me. Because... I need healing. I need forgiveness, right? I think people would see the church differently if we did that. That's what we're doing. So, look, um, he does not want anyone. And, and let's, be, let's be honest. Everybody, everybody wants to be with Jesus when they die. But here's the truth. Only those who want to be with him when they live are the ones who will be with him when they flatline here. And he says, many will not choose that. It's not that he doesn't want them, it's that they don't want him. And we can't be, we can't be one of those people. I want to flatten it up a little bit. I love my wife, right? That should be a shocker to zero of you. I love her. One of the great proofs of the fact that I love my wife is that I will sit on a couch with her and watch a show called Project Runway. <laughs> Anybody seen it? Man, come on. Ladies, you've never seen it. Okay, you have. You have. And this is hard for a man because it can give you brain damage. It can't. I already have some. I don't need any more. Right? Now, if for those of you who are not indoctrinated in the world of Project Runway, it, there is a coach named Tim Gunn. And, and Tim Gunn has what he's called the Tim Gunn Save. Right? He can, these are fashion designers, and he can save one in each season, of the designers that the judges have cut, right? And what Tim will say a lot of times is, I wish I could save you, but I, I've already used my Tim Gunn save, and so I can't. And they will go home in tears, right? Because Tim has no more bullets in his gun. Did you get that? That was, a, that was a deep joke. That was a deep. Tim Gunn? Okay. All right. I, I'm trying for you. This is not the case with Jesus. Jesus has unlimited saves. Jesus wants to save. Jesus can save. Jesus offers to save. The question is, do you and I really, really, really want him? He says the answer from most, many, is... Meh, no, kinda, right? Few, not many. What does that mean for us? That means that if you and I are followers of the crowd, followers of popular culture, going with the flow, hear the bad news. Here is the bad news, hear it. That neither the popular culture, nor the crowd, nor the flow is going to the narrow door. They are not... And and our heart breaks. But if you follow them, you will not either. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. You don't have to. You don't have to. Here's the option. You can be a rebel. And this should appeal to, to some of you, right? Who put on skinny jeans and get tatted up and drive something crazy. And Right? Be a rebel. But 
This is what we're talking about. You can be a rebel, a faithful, joyful, Jesus-following rebel. Right? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Which means you have to look at popular culture. You have to look at the crowd. You have to look at where the flow is going. And don't do what they do. Don't love what they love. Don't focus on what they focus on. Don't love the way they love. Don't live the way they live. Be a rebel. And to paraphrase another Another pastor said, if you want to be a true rebel, then love Jesus, read your Bible, kill your pride, confess your sins, serve others selflessly, and stop doing anything and everything to make yourself feel good. Because no one seems to be doing that. If you want to be a rebel, don't wear crazy clothes. Do all this stuff. Do this. Because that's rebellion. Because nobody seems to be doing that. And you and I can. So time for our quiz. It's not a pop quiz because I told you it was coming, right? And then there's no studying required for this. But the only thing required is that you be brutally honest with your answer. One question. It's a fill in the blank. Here it is. My life is about blank. You and I need to fill in that blank. My life is about blank. Here's what I'm about, right? Not what you wish you were about. What you're really about? What do you desire? What gets you out of bed? What do you press into every day to get out of bed and get going for strength, for hope, for joy, for identity, for acceptance? What is that? What would your spouse say your life is about? What would your kids say your life is about? How about your teammates, your coworkers? What would they say? What would Jesus say your life is really about? How many of you want to change your answers now? Right? Don't worry. You got a chance to change your answer. We're going to get together at the end and we're going to change our answer. That's what Jesus does. He changes what we bring into him and he makes us more like himself. Right? Here is what the Apostle Paul put for this one question quiz. He said, for me, to live is Christ. That's, that's my life, Jesus. And to die is gain. What he's saying is, because I am all about Jesus, that means I have authentic faith. And that means that because my life is about him, when I die, I get everything I ever wanted. I get everything I ever wanted. Right? And, and here's, here's the kicker. For you and for me, if my life is about blank and and that blank is anything other than Jesus, then for you to die means the loss of everything. The loss of everything. It's not gain, it's releasing. Right? But, But scripture tells us again and again that if we love him, if we make that primary, if we seek him first and his righteousness, all these other things, all these other things get added unto you in this life and the next. But we have to make our life about what it was created to be about. That makes dying gain. That makes us go to the narrow door. Anything other goes to the wide door, right? What is your life about? In the end, you get what you choose. Choose wisely. Jesus said most people will not choose wisely but you and I get the opportunity to choose widely wisely 
This does not need to be the way for you. Now, some of you are very, very, very welcome here. But you know, you know you're kind of on the outside looking in. And, and, and this is a perfect place to explore what Jesus is all about and what, what he has to say and, and getting in relationship with him. But there are some objections that come, right? And here's some common ones. We're just going to unpack them. Then we're going to leave you with your 10 thoughts and then we're going to take action. Okay, here, um, here's the first one. What about evil, pain, and suffering in the world? Great question. On this, I would totally agree with you. What about it? This world has way too much evil, way too much pain, and way too much suffering. The question is, who do you blame for that? You have basically two choices. You can blame a God that you may or may not believe in, or you can blame people. And if you don't believe in that God, then your only option is to blame people, right? Think about it this way. Think about it this way. That any student of human nature on looking at people would have to come to the realization that we as humanity have made many, many, many wrong turns. Leave your house. Buy a paper. Read about people eating Tide Pods. That's what we're doing. Right? Are we or are we not a hot mess? Right? You'd have to come to that conclusion. Here's another question. Where did you or I get a concept of a world without evil, pain, and suffering? One filled with love, joy, peace, harmony, kindness. Where did we get that concept when you, neither you nor I nor anybody else, has ever experienced a reality like that? I'll tell you where. God placed that in your heart because that is what you were created for. That is what sin ruined. But rather than have it win, he came to endure that. He came to rescue us from that. Jesus came as God with skin on to endure the most atrocious evil, pain and suffering on the cross so that he could deliver us from it. This is not the greatest objection to following Jesus. It is the reason why he came. What about that? He couldn't live with that for the people that he loved. Objection number two. Don't all roads lead to God? Now, initially, this kind of sounds legit on its surface, right? But you know who came up with that rumor? Satan. Satan did. Don't all roads lead to God? Don't worry about it. Look, let's dial it back because that's too uber spiritual for, for, for some of us. Let's, just, let's do this. Do you use this same logic in any other area of your life? No. Do all roads lead to your driveway? No. Do all roads lead to a great marriage? Do all roads lead to joy? Do all roads lead to success? Do all roads lead to physical, mental, emotional, financial, relational, spiritual health? No. And none of us would be brave enough to claim that they did because we'd be labeled a quack. But we don't have any problem saying all roads lead to God. It's not true. One road leads to God. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you and I must be saved. 
The truth is that Jesus hung between heaven and earth as the only way to get you from one to the other. Which leads us to objection number three. What about the people who have never heard of Jesus? What about the people who who don't have a chance to put their faith in him because they don't even know? What about them? Good, good question. The people who ask this question either ask it motivated by compassion or as an excuse to not follow Jesus. If compassion, great. Where do you think you got that sense of compassion to worry about people's souls and their eternal destination? You got it from the God of all compassion. Do you think that you and I can be more compassionate than the God of compassion? I don't think so. So wise to let the God of all compassion sort that out. We'll get back to that in a second. If it is an excuse for not following Jesus, what about those other people? Think about this. God chose you to be here on a day where we got fresh powder. But here the gospel is being preached very clearly. Very clearly. I think chances are good that he wants you to be among the few and not the many. And he's calling you to be with him, to join him, to trade what your life is about for what he created it to be about. He's calling you to trade whatever in your faith might be counterfeit for for that which is real. He's calling you to trade a destination with many to be the few that go through the narrow door. That's what he's calling you to. To paraphrase the great C.S. Lewis, if you're really concerned about people who might be on the outside, it makes absolutely no sense for you to stay on the outside yourself. Get on the inside and then join us who have this passion to say, the thing that we have, the thing that we know, the thing that we've been given, the God who has loved us also loves all the people who are not aware of it. And we're going to spend our lives, we're going to spend our energies, we're going to spend our money, we're going to spend our passion, we're going to spend our time doing everything short of sin to make sure that they know. Because not in this church, not in this town, not in this university are people going to be lost. Please God, no. Okay. That's where we are. That's where we are. And so now, um, last thing we're to do, 10 thoughts to rock your soul on trading in counterfeit faith for real faith. Let these sink in. Let God speak to you about whether this is you, whether this is me, what to do about it. Here it is. Number one, if you can live without Jesus in this life, you will live without him in the next. Can you go on without him? I pray your answers no. I can't. Number two, no one will be in heaven who deserves to be there. Well, except for God, right? Everything is grace. Everything is a gift. Getting there, it's like a gift, right? And no one in hell will have not chosen it. You will get in eternity what you choose in life. Choose 
wisely. And if, like me, you have a record of choosing unwisely, that can change. Because Jesus doesn't diagnose a problem. He doesn't immediately offer to heal. Number three, heaven was created for those who long to spend eternity with Jesus, not for those who are afraid of hell. And the way to know if you long to spend eternity with Jesus is to ask, how much do you long to spend time with him daily now? Really? How much is that the hunger of your heart? That give you an idea. That can give you an idea. And that can change. People with counterfeit faith believe in Jesus. We talked about this last week. But find pleasure apart from him. That rocked a lot of lives last week. This is our chance to do something about it. If he is not our joy, if he is not our pleasure, and we find our pleasure by breaking his heart, that just doesn't go with the kind of faith we're talking about. Number five, the people who go through the narrow door are not the good people. They're not the rule keepers. They're not the most moral. They're not the most religious. They are the forgiven people. And the good and the rule keeping and the moral and the religious are often the last to fall down and say, the problem is, is me. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. And Jesus says many who think that they're first will be last. And the broken, the shattered, the ones who have lives that they are ashamed of will populate heaven because they know they're not good enough. And you don't have to go out and and do all those things. You know enough about you. I know enough about me that crying out for mercy is exactly what I need to do. The people shut out of heaven are focused on what they've done. The people who go inside the narrow door are focused on what Jesus has done for them. That is our only claim. That is it. Hey, you came for me. Hey, you bought me. Hey, you died. You rose for me. I'm covered in your blood. I got no righteousness of my own. Not, hey, Lord, didn't we? Didn't we do all this good stuff? Didn't we do all that? You remember how we did? Number six. Seven. Look at me. Um, You are gradually, I am gradually becoming either more independent of or more dependent on Jesus for everything in your life. And that can tell you which door you're approaching. Are you more likely to say, hey, I got this. I got this. You more independent? Yeah, you need him for the, for the, for the cancer diagnosis, right? For the bankruptcy. But, but everyday life? No, we're to become more dependent. Lord, Lord I, can't, I can't get up and love my wife and go to work and not embarrass you if you don't intervene. Lord, I can't stand and, and speak your word with any integrity unless you do something. I can't raise a child. I can't. You can. I'm dependent on you for breathing. That tells you what door you're approaching 
and that can change. Number eight, counterfeit faith uses Jesus to get what you want. I know all about this. I could write a book about this. This is most of my life. Counterfeit faith uses Jesus to get what you want more often than it praises him for who he is. And it can look so subtle because we're always praying. We're always praising. We're always looking. We're always counting. That's for what? We keep chasing the world. Now we got a helper to help us get it. Man, that's wrong. And I have camped out there. And it can change. Jesus, the God who created you and the universe on the cross became the one locked out of heaven. He became the one on the other side of the door, which is why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that. He became the one shut out so that you and I would never have to be. Soul officially rocked. Number 10, the reason Jesus has revealed all of this to you is so that he can heal you. Change what you live for. Give you real faith in exchange for counterfeit and make sure you're going through the narrow door. Make sure that's how much he loves you and wants to have the hard conversation because he loves and because there's so much better than what you've been experiencing. As the worship team comes, there's only one question left and that is, what is the narrow door? How do I know when I see it? Where do I find it? Jesus said this, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he, she will be saved. I am the door. Come to me. How narrow is narrow? Oh, it's about this wide, give or take. It's about the wingspan of a grown man. Jesus allowed his arms to be nailed open wide so that you know that they're open wide for you. And those who will spend eternity in his arms are those who will run to his arms now. Now. And I don't want anybody here. I, the, the goal of this is not for, for you to doubt your salvation or your relationship with Jesus unless you should. And if you should, then do. Because in that, we're part of it, right? In that is the healing. In that is the coming. In that is the restoration. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, please. Because the people who take action are are, are standing. We're standing. And right now, right now, in faith, I'm believing that God in some way has spoken to your heart. He has looked into your soul and said, there's more, there's clearer, there's better, there's real. There's me. There might be many who miss it, but you don't have to be one of them. Not in any area of your life. And and, and some of you are hearing, yes, yes, there's more for me. Yes, there's freedom. Yes, there's healing. Yes, there's correction. Yes, there's forgiveness. 
Yes, there's real for the counterfeit. And, and, and if, if that's you, I just, I want you to come. We're going to pray as a group. And, and God is speaking to you. If you resist, listen, you are exercising and strengthening the heart muscle that pushes Jesus away. God bless you, my brother. I am here with you. We are going to pray. We are going to, yes, come. I see you come. Come. Yes. Come. This is it. These are the people. And then there's another voice that says, no, you stay. You're going to embarrass yourself. You don't listen to him. You don't listen to God speaking to your heart. You're going to embarrass. This is the end of life for you. This is the end of, of, of joy for you. This is the end of freedom for you. It's a lie. This is the beginning of it. All of us who want to who want to change our answer, Lord, we are here. We are here. Let's pray as a group, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Right now, right now, would you change that answer? My life is about. We want it to be about you, because with you come all of the things that we think are good but cannot save us, Lord. Our life is about you. We affirm that right now. Lord, we trade the pieces of our lives that are counterfeit for real faith, honest faith. Lord, we go from people who were in danger of being part of the many. We want to be part of the few so that we can go out genuinely and, 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 and speak to our family and love our friends in this community in a way that draws them in. Lord, for you, for all the things that, that we've we've used to justify. Lord, you are our only justification. We ask for mercy. We trust in your finished work on the cross. Lord, right now, by your Holy Spirit, we are committed to going through the narrow door, to going through you and dragging and bringing and coaxing and wooing as many as possible to come through with us. And we ask it all in Jesus' beautiful name. And all God's people said, if you're part of the prayer team, won't you raise your hand? Won't you raise your hand? Won't you look at the raise it up high? Leave it up. If you are here and you want some prayer and encouragement, because we, like you, are broken and we are going to the healer. We will pray for you and with you. Right? During this response song. But you're on a new path. We are together in this. We're going home. And nobody on our watch gets left behind. That's God's heart, and that's yours. I love you. Stick around for prayer. Come to the people who have their hands up.